Hello, welcome to Five Questions with Steve Moulter. That's me. Christina Agapakis is a biologist, writer, uh, artist, and a mother of two. She collaborates with engineers, designers, artists, and social scientists to explore unexpected connections between microbiology, technology, art, and pop culture. Christina invited me over to her place where we talked about world travel, bias in biochemistry, how framing failure can reveal the process of learning, the difference between STEM and STEAM, and how STEAM is much, much better, and the root of all consciousness. You know, pretty lighthearted topics. Oh yeah, and she answered five questions, of course. Meet Christina. What's something you don't currently know, but you feel compelled to know before you die? Oh gosh. I've never, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I know that I don't know a lot of things, right? That's good. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I have been, right, I think as I've gotten older and and busier, like the, the, I realized that there's, right, I feel like I've lost something in the, in the ability to be able to just like pick something up, right? I feel, I, I, I remember that feeling of starting out just like totally overwhelmed and not knowing anything and then gradually over time learning something right, and, right, and right. that feeling is so empowering uh, and special, but I, I just don't feel like I have the time now. Like now I'm more in the position where I'm like, hey, I need to know this thing. Like, can you help me? Yeah, <laughs> like, like delegation, can you, right? Can you research that for yeah. me and then let me know because I have to answer these thousand emails. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, and that's been frustrating. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of things, I think. Like I what? I, uh, gosh, like uh, languages, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, things about... Um, <clears throat> the world <laughs> I don't know right like places either that I probably won't have time to go to or won't ever get the chance to see and learn about or uh things about um yeah like the books I can't read yeah, yet right yeah, now yeah. <laughs> I don't have, know I think about those things but yeah and I, and I maybe I I sort of hope that I'll have more time soon yeah well good luck yeah you're a mother right you <laughs> yeah. have two kids right? I have two kids. <laughs> so yeah no so okay if you could travel where would you want to go like what's like your number top three destinations that you haven't been that you would like to go before too late um gosh I mean there's like specific thing I mean there's just sort of like the general world yeah right world, <laughs> like travel, world. Yeah. um uh I, I've been there's some places that I've been that I would love to explore more like so where? so uh we talk about wanting to go to um spend more time in Switzerland because oh, nice. I feel like you get the every sort of edge of Switzerland is mm-hmm. a different culture and you yeah, have yeah. like the sort of that European version the other uh the other place is China I spend more time traveling in China have you been to China I I, I went <clears throat> for a wedding a few years ago oh, nice where were you in, in near shanghai okay. uh, and it was awesome and nice. so much fun and uh <clears throat> the the kind of travel that i like best maybe which is why i think i want to go to switzerland too is all like based around eating so like <laughs> i want to go to places that are dense uh and have like Compelling cuisine and high concentration of restaurants, so you can kind of like walk around and and base you know schedule your day around around meals. Which Uh, is why LA was great. I mean, we talked about that a little minute ago, but yeah, LA. I love that about LA. You can get the best of anywhere in the world in LA. Right. When we go back to LA, we plan our 
our trips entirely around where we want to eat. So we have exactly, we're like, okay, here's what we want to go. We want to make sure, sure we get the ramen from here. We want a burger from here. And we sort of like map it out and sort of <laughs> traverse across the city, meeting our friends yeah, who are yeah, near yeah. those restaurants. Totally. Yeah. And that's how we do our reunion tours. So, okay. Because you're LA, mm-hmm. what's your favorite Mexican place in LA? My favorite Mexican, um, I actually just for the first time went to a place in Santa Ana that was so mm-hmm. good. Ah, uh, gosh, I'd have to look it up on Yelp to remember. But if okay. you look up tacos in Santa Ana on Yelp, <laughs> it's the, the number one. one. Yeah, and okay. it was really good. And it was the kind of thing that, yeah, now having been in Boston for a few years again, I was like, this is what tortillas are oh supposed God, to taste like. Totally. It was amazing. <laughs> so That's yeah, legit. Okay. It was good. I, there was this joint in Venice. It was right on the Venice, like Mar Vista border called mm. uh, La Cabana. Mm. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm going to write that down because yeah, I'm going to LA for a wedding a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's we used to go there all the time. It was like a band mm-hmm. haunt for us because like there was a band that we're friends with called Signal Hill, uh-huh. like my band. Like in their band. Long Beach. Exactly. That's what it's for because <laughs> one of the guys lived in San Diego and he would dr- drive up to practice and uh-huh. go through it and be like, Signal Hill, that's cool. And that's how they became that's Signal Hill. But they would go there for like after band practice. Mm-hmm. They would go eat there. And then we became like really good friends. And then we would all go there. And so when we have like those big reunions where we're all in LA again, because a couple of us have left, mm-hmm. we'll all go to La Cabana. And I'll nice. always get the same thing. What's your, what's the go-to? They have a fish um, uh, enchilada. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the fish that is in it though for some reason. Anyway, it's really good. You have to get it. Okay. If you're into enchiladas, of course, but... Who isn't? <laughs> I, I don't know. Crazy people? Crazy people. People who've never been to La Cabana, probably. Exactly. How do you define being in love? These are hard questions. <laughs> you read that. You looked at the website. I looked at them. I should have known. I should have prepared more. <laughs> I'm not good at doing homework anymore. Um, uh... It's weird. I think I mean now I think having yeah, having a family, having little kids, having that kind of love too. Um it does uh it sort of it sort of happens to you, I guess. Like like you, you, there there's uh I, I think, yeah, with it, with the babies, I didn't have that thing that people say, like, once the baby was born, I looked at them and I was like so deeply in love. Right. It was something, I, it, was, it was a little bit more gradual because they're, they're hard at first. Mm. Um, and it's, it's hard to love something that's screaming at you. <laughs> um, but, but, but there, but that kind of like, there's a gradual like building and, and realization and, and it's not it's not sort of like a revelation like one moment. I think it is kind of just gradual and you look around and you just like see the person and you're like, I love you. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. Uh, and, and, and that's, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's sort of like a gentle and, and peaceful, but also very, uh, uh, strong <laughs> at the yeah, same time, yeah. um, a kind of realization. And so have you experienced in love, like being in love feelings with, um, I imagine with people, mm-hmm. uh, and with other things, not just people? Um, that's a good question. I think I get, I can get, um, I'm very passionate about things and the things that I work on and I get like really fired up about it, but I don't think it's the same feeling as okay. with people. What do you see? What's the difference? How do you, how would you describe that? 
there's a, I think it's more, hmm. Um, I guess there's a similarity in like the, I do, um, gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm, putting you I'm on trying the spot, to think like, like I'm time. remembering, right? <laughs> so like I, I used to really love working in the lab and mm -hmm. I like and there was like the routine of it and the smells and the mm. and the kind of uh, there was a kind of like a gradual building of like this is, you know, I'm a mastery. Maybe that's actually more like the, that learning feeling that yeah, I mentioned totally. before, um, that feeling of like, you know, this is something that I like I feel comfortable with and confident with and I'm also like ex finding new things with too yeah. maybe that that's another thing too I think right so maybe there is maybe there is a similarity so like I, being a scientist you know being able to sort of yeah have that thing it's like I want to learn something I want to know yeah. this thing that other people don't know yeah. and I'm going to use this thing or like this kind of process and feeling and tools and things that I like doing yeah, totally. um and and people I like being with in the, in the, in the team um, to get there. And, and I think similarly, my husband and I, we, we do have like, we do like to explore together, right? So we, cool. yeah, whether it's new cities and new foods and, um, and, and that kind of like exploration, yeah, but there's a comfort in it, in doing it together. Nice. So maybe there's a crossover there. <laughs> I just thought of a new question that I haven't asked before. Oh, wow. um, I, I got to think of phrasing because now we're on the spot. Now I'm on the spot because <laughs> if I don't phrase it the right way. Okay. It's less of a question, more of a, one of those probing statements. Um, can you talk about a time where you felt um, like a deep loss or you know, I would phrase it if it was questions because it's five questions. I got to be legit here. Mm -hmm. um, what's like the greatest loss you've ever felt? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I just realized I said that the way my two-year-old says it. <laughs> he says, I don't know. Um, I think I've, I'm... I'm, I mean, I'm lucky. I think that a lot of, I don't, I haven't experienced a really great loss of a, like a close, close friend or family member, um, in the way that you might, that that question might be interpreted, uh, interpreted yeah. to mean, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, gosh, um, so, so yeah, like maybe then this, I don't know if this then makes it seem like small in comparison to like what it could be right like I don't um but I do remember actually feeling um uh okay so in college I'm a scientist right and I was always thought of myself as a scientist and I thought of science as like okay this is the like this is what I have to be doing science is the way to understand things like there's a real thing out there in the world and like we can finally access it with science and I'm going to be able to understand it um and and there's a right answer mm -hmm. uh and and so that is really that kind of worldview I think is really comforting to somebody like, you know, who, who, uh, to anybody I think is like, okay, there's an answer there and I know I can get it. And, and science is, is the, is this really powerful thing and, and it's really awesome. And then in college I took, um, I took a sociology class on sex and gender, um, 
and read a really interesting article um, by an anthropologist named Emily Martin, who who wrote about how uh, the scientific narrative that we've learned about the egg and the sperm okay. is in fact like completely inflected and transposed through our cultural biases and understandings like of gender. Can you talk gender. about that? Like yeah. how? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right? So, so I mean, and, and so that, um, uh, the, so imagine, right? Like if you think of like, think of what the image of the egg and the sperm uh, looks like, mm -hmm. right? You might imagine there's like an egg floating somewhere Some passive space. Yeah. in space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's these like shooting sperm yeah. running, rushing headlong, yeah. like racing, like who's the fastest to like pierce through the yes. egg and win. Yes. Um, and so that is very much like a story of like, right? Like a romance, like the oh, masculine, yeah. like, like, uh, fighting each other for yeah. the victory. And, and the, it's a competition. Like, oh, there's right. a winner. There's a clear, like win loss right. situation. Going and, on. and the, and the egg, the, the female is totally passive, yeah, just, uh, just like waiting for yeah. the, the men to sort of duke it out and figure right. it out. Right. Um, it, it turns out the reality, like if you actually look in the microscope and actually mm -hmm. look at it, it's totally different really? than that, right? Like the egg and the sperm have have both have active roles to play in deciding how to, when and how to fuse and and the, the kind of chemical process that's happening at that molecular level. Um, and and then there's there's so there's there's two things that that were happening that she kind of outlines in this essay, which is like. On the one hand, you know, you, you imagine the egg, the sperm are going it's like projectile, like mm -hmm. shooting their way in, um, and then somebody actually measured how fast are sperm moving, um, and how strong is their like forward motion, right. and it turns out they're they're ten times stronger going side to side than they are going forward. So in fact, oh. like what ends up happening is they kind of like flop themselves onto the egg and uh -huh. then like thrash around. And as they thrash around side to side, they get more and more tangled up in the egg because the egg and the sperm have these receptors on each other that kind of bind um, mm -hmm. and form more and more links. And as they form those links, then you start the process of the, of the fertilization. Wow. So like we, they, nobody had even thought to measure the speed of the sperm right. to see that until like the eighties or nineties. Oh my God. Because like they would just thought, of course, that yes. sperms are doing Everyone that. before <laughs> us has been saying that. this, so therefore it's true. <laughs> right. Wow, um, that's crazy. And then the other thing that's like even crazier for me, at, you know, at the time, like training as a biochemist and like, you know, in the world of like enzymes and proteins and this really sort of microscopic scale mm -hmm. um, where you where you kind of expect that you lose all of that messiness of the so mm -hmm. social and biases like well, how could you possibly put bias into biochemistry totally yeah <laughs> but uh Okay, this takes a little explaining, but but bear Bring with it. me. Yeah. Okay, so in biochemistry, there are proteins that exist on the surface of cells called receptors. Mm -hmm. They will bind to things called ligands, which mm -hmm. can be any number of chemical molecules, <laughs> whatever, out in okay. the world. Um, they, they, the ligands will bind to the receptor and sort of activate something inside of the cell. Okay. Um, so on the sperm... There is a protein that is on the in on the surface. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure this one. Yeah, and and there is a uh, like molecule on the egg that binds to it okay. um, and activates something. Uh, but they called the the sperm part 
not the receptor. They called the part that's on the egg the receptor. Uh, they flipped this kind of like biochemical definition because they needed the egg to be the receiving, like the passive partner wow. rather than the active one. Wow. So like, yeah, it created this like like naming confusion because like the scientists couldn't even like bring themselves to see the the egg as non-receptive. Wow. Um, so, and and this was like again in like the late eighties, nineties, yeah, right? Like, like this is scientists like who were yeah. yeah who were themselves like recognizing that there were there were gaps in our knowledge of this process because of the bias that's in insane. the scientists, it's and they still the couldn't get by it. Goes into biochemistry, like right? it's even in biochemistry, right? That's insane. And so like that really like that blew my mind and I think yeah. I really fought against it like but like that's can't be right like that's not going to be the way that I do science that's not going to be like that's not the way it really is right. like mate that's in the 80s that's in the past <laughs> um and I think right that but that was I think kicked something off for mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. and and so then I, I'd say you know then a few years later I'm still a scientist I'm like still yes science is still like the objective way to learn about the world like we need to just be careful not to do that thing the bad people did in the yeah world. Right, right. <laughs> right, and then um, in uh, the year I graduated from college and applied to graduate school uh, was the year that the president of Harvard was videotaped talking about how maybe women are just dumb and bad at science. Oh do you remember God. that? I do. It's like maybe we should look at the science and like scientifically analyze the fact that women are dumb and bad at science. <laughs> and oh that's, my, what the fuck? Right. So he, so that was the thing. He's using science and like statistics to tell to say that I'm not good enough to yeah. go to Harvard to yeah. do my PhD. <laughs> right. Um, and so like that was another moment when I'm like, there's something going on here, right? Yeah. Like the science isn't as kind of pure as I want it to be and kind of imagined it as, um, I was lucky to like actually, uh, when I was applying to grad school, the, that was all going on, like really during the time that I was co- coming to visit Harvard to, to, as part of the orientation process. Mm-hmm. And I met the woman who became my thesis advisor. Mm-hmm. And I remember her just laughing so much, just like, can you believe that dummy? What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she, she heard it all. Like, yeah, right. She's been yeah. a scientist. Like, you know, she did her PhD in the seventies. Right. She She's heard been, everything. She's a full wow. professor. Like, and she, she, you know, I was like, just laughing and like that that I think that really inspired me like that 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 um that that position that you could laugh at that right and um uh and I think then she's terrific and was wonderful and a great advisor um but anyway, so then I then okay, okay. So part three of this story is like now <laughs> I'm like a second year grad student, and like none of my experiments are working, and everything is kind of like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it's still fun. I like lab. I like my you know I like my advisor. I think I'm excited about the, the goals of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband now is starting. Um, where that was year he must have been like finishing up like doing his master's in media studies and a lot of what he was reading about was this kind of this field called science and technology studies um where you kind of apply a critical social lens onto science so that article like the egg and the sperm uh and much more sort Mm. of like how do you analyze that human part of science right um and so he recommended a lot of books (laughs) and i read too many things um sort of about like 
biochemistry and about bioengineering, which is what I had been starting to do, and like how it was so deeply tied up in all of these kind of like messy, biased mm-hmm. things, and the history of eugenics, um, mm-hmm. and these like terrible things, and and it really made me. I had a crisis of faith, really. Yeah, like there's no other sure. way to describe it. Right. Of saying like, how can I do this? How can I keep being a scientist when yeah. I know that this is the the this is what's underneath. This is this is you know we're pretending to be objective right. in order to hide the way that we're actually really right. horribly biased. And so, I think that was a, I, that was really hard for me, and that was really yeah. a loss. I lost this kind of innocence yeah, totally, of, of totally. what I thought science could be—that purity that I wanted it to be. Wow. And in fact, there was one of the books I read is actually called Never Pure. <laughs> well, there you go. You know? And I think the subtitle is amazing. It's like science as if it were done by people with bodies existing in times and places. <laughs> anyway, like right, that right, is very right, right, right. very good book. Highly recommend it. Um, but the so so. Then I, you know, like I sort of, that was the, I lost, broke, got broken up and then kind of was able to build up from that. And so that's, that moment really changed my career Mm. and, and, and decided a lot of things of where I've ended up. So I started reading more. (laughs) I sort of gave up at writing more as a way for myself to process it and think through it and to share that what I was reading with other people. I was Mm. like, scientists need to know that we're all liars. (laughs) (laughs) Not, you know, not in the the way that climate change is fake. Uh, (laughs) But in that, like, but but in fact, in the, like, how do people come to believe Things, yeah, right. Like, what is that science? What is that social process in which we learn and and t- learn from each other and and come to have faith in these processes? Because there's always somebody to have a hand in it, mm-hmm. right? And like everything is seen through somebody's lens, exactly. Because it's presented by somebody, right? And so even like I had a conversation about this project about five questions, mm-hmm. and it was a she was a professor, a photographer that I had as a guest, and she said, you know, I see this, but who are you? You know, mm-hmm. like why are you know, why do I care about these people if I don't know who you are? Right. You know, because you choose, you're the lens that we're all seeing this through. And I was like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's that idea, but like everybody touches something that they do. Mm -hmm. So even science. Right. And so somebody's going to, and you know, it's always been white men, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to go, oh, well, this is boom. This is me. And this is what I think of it. And bam. And that's how the business is. I'm going to do some science to say how white men are just really, just inherently the best and deserving of all of the things that they've gotten. So it's, 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 it's fascinating, especially what's going on in the world. And like, I see it from more of an artistic side and like just a social side, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's what I'm used to. That's what we see on a daily basis. But even in the science world, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's fucked. And it's like... (laughs) And so I'm curious how, how you, because you're a scientist, you're also an artist mm-hmm. and you're quite accomplished in both. Right. So like, do you see, you know, being a woman, like, are you, how much have you gone through as a woman in each field? Is it different in each field? Is it the same? You know, this, this, this feeling, this Harvard president right. bullshit, like yeah. you have, you must have to deal with that. Yeah. And, and like, I've been again, like lucky to be, to have had great mentors and yeah. to have a great, like to be part of great teams and to not have had to really face like anything. Yeah. Like n- not the kinds of the harassment and things that you read about and, and right. the kinds of things that are, are like we're, we're seeing exposed every day yeah, right totally, now. Right. Totally. Um, especially yeah, in the sciences 
and everywhere really. Right. Um, I, I've been, I've been really lucky in my career right. where, where I can say things, you know, like there's, there's the like, Oh, you got into that. You know, you got that because you're a woman and they needed more. Women. It's like, okay, buddy. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> or, or like your fellowship for women in science is discriminating against men. Okay. Oh <laughs> like, you know, other than those kinds of conversations, like I've, I've been really lucky and, and, right. and I, and, and I continue to be lucky to be part of, you know, the, the, the company that I'm part of, I know values diversity Good. and, and is making really active changes and, and active, actively pushing back against the status quo. And Good. I, and, and that's really important. Yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't mean that, that it's not there. Of course. Right? Um, of course. the, in terms of the, the art and the science. Yeah. And so, so part of that process, I think of, of letting, you know, of, of realizing the social part and, and trying to come to terms with it as a scientist was realizing that, art and design and and the way that artists and designers approach science and technology is is one way through which that we can kind of challenge that and 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 really make visible the ways that science is human mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. so i think it, it was more it's more a tool uh to do the thing that i wanted to do yeah. um and and i mean and something that i had always been interested in but right. didn't know how to do right i think as as a undergrad i i took yeah my first year in college i took you know basic drawing and introduction to chemistry and mm. I got an A in chemistry and a B minus in drawing and I was like I guess I'm not going to be an art major B minus that's, an, that's amazing I got like all C's <laughs> no, no, it was I'm Yale kidding. so Yale only has oh, oh, wow. oh, they only give people A's and B's it's all great inflation so it's like <laughs> oh so if I went to Yale I'd get A's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> getting in that's the problem that's exactly yeah, that's right. you know like, once you get there I got you. and really I think actually my you know a side note like grades are all bullshit anyway yeah, totally. <laughs> so Absolutely. like if it's gonna right like help your student do what they need to do and like you the grades don't really yeah, matter absolutely. so might as well give them these right um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it <laughs> because grades are stupid yeah uh but anyway the um yeah so so the art and and so like at the timing was right i think for me at that moment right like there was a juncture where uh you know, as I'm looking for these kinds of things and trying to find ways of, of bringing that social aspect into the science, like I see all of a sudden there's all these artists like showing up at my conferences, like talking about what it is that, like what this means and the implication for bioengineering in the future and what, what synthetic biology going mm. to do and how does it, like, how is it social? Um, and, and that, there became there started to be these like programs and curators curating shows about this kind of stuff and and this whole community of people who are talking about bio design and bio mm. art and um, bio art has been around for a long time but but I think you know it came to synthetic biology at that at that time so um I as I was kind of like figuring stuff out and and making friends with that community and starting to do more work in that space there was a sense I think of like well there's the real science (laughs) which is the good stuff that the men do and then there's all this like whatever (laughs) and and I think you know people would ask me questions like are you do you think you're ruining your career by participating in all these art projects um or you know you know, oh, like, you know, you have to make sure to do the real work, not just this stuff. Or like, uh, you know, or, you know, me and one of my friends and collaborators who was trained as an artist and doing these things, like we would kind of be invited on panels, like the girl stuff now. Right. <laughs> it would, and it actually be pretty clear, like often it was really? like men presenting on the, sci- the, the hard science right. and then us presenting on the soft stuff. And I think, you know, that 
you have to fight back against that perception and against that kind of hierarchy of, of science is the top, right? STEM, yeah, STEM totally. supremacy. Right. Um, and, and say, no, like I do this on purpose because this is valuable and, and, and vital to doing science well, right. um, and to, and to doing it right. So, so it's not lesser than it should be on, on the yeah, same Absolutely. So, they have to be hand in hand. Exactly. Absolutely. That's fascinating. What does failure look like to you? How do you define failure? Um, so I think failure is like giving up, <laughs> sort of. The, so uh, I have performed many failed experiments, <laughs> and uh, that was air quotes for yeah. people listening. <laughs> um, the I think. Yeah, the so you know what I, especially in engineering, right? Like, so it's like I had sort of a plan. I was like, I'm going to design this DNA sequence that I'm going to put into this E. coli, and it's going to do this. It's going to be great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to do something. <laughs> um, and then you you put it in there, and yeah. nothing happens. So like that's kind of like a failure. Yeah. But if you design your experiment well, you can learn something, okay. and that learning now is like, okay, now I'm going to do it. Better. And then when you sort of go back to to kind of put together all of those things and, and you realize that you've learned something that you can you, you tell a story. So so I think you can you know, this is something we argued about a lot in grad school because I was working with, you know, collaborating with a small group of people who are all trying to make something, right? And 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 one one of my my colleagues was always writing the when when presenting the story was kind of like framing it through failure. It's like, well, we had set out to do this and we didn't, mm. and therefore it's still not completed. Right. <laughs> Rather than saying like, look at all these other things that we learned along the way, like you know, it, it almost doesn't matter what we had set out to do because, totally. because we had, we found something kind of interesting of what was going on inside of the cell. And we also kind of laid out a, a way of doing something and a way of designing and a way of thinking about, how, you know, well, you know, next time we design the experiment, we should be thinking about these things that cropped up for us. Right. So, right. so there was, so even though, you know, on, if you looked at me, you know, the proposal that I put in my second year saying like, by the time I graduate, I will have done these yeah, things. Totally. Like I failed on literally everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, you know, I did, I did learn a lot and I, and I, um, and I think I, I learned something too about the, the, yeah, I mean, exactly what I'm supposed to learn in graduate school, like the work of doing science, the work of learning and, and, and the work of, of, of designing biology, which is right. what I had wanted to do. Right. Um, so I think, I, I would say, you know, the, the, the mindset of my colleague who says like, we failed the end, that's a failure. Yeah. Um, if you don't learn from what, what you failed at. <laughs> That's a great question. And because I think that's actually the, that's the main, that's the work of it. Mm -hmm. um, that's the work of, of trying to, to break out of that kind of m microscopic world and, mm -hmm. and the, and, and 
breaking out of the mindset that you know science is pure and and that it's unencumbered by social factors you have to be able to work with other people who can show you a different perspective um and so uh, all uh, the majority most of the work that i've done in in on the art side and the design side has been collaborative so with people who are who are approaching it from a totally different angle um and so the work of approaching collaboration i think you have to come um uh what's the word it's like you well you need humility Mm. i think that's that's the main thing so i i think there's there's actually now more and more scientists and and more and more of these kind of like art science interactions and 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 this kind of idea of you know art being able to communicate science art being able to get people excited about science um art being able to kind of like, yes, serve as a, um, you know, an element of steam. So a STEM, right? So steam, add the A to to STEM. Yeah. Can you just real quick define STEM and steam just for people who might not know? So STEM is, is science, technology, engineering and math. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's fields of science and technology that, that get bundled together and, and as, as kind of a, catchphrase or a brand yeah. for science education so so saying you know we have to put money invest in stem because kids who get trained in stem get better jobs or with whatever so it's it's about kind of indicating what we value right. um and because you want to invest in that kind of at the expense of other things like people are cutting music programs in order oh to put money gosh. into yeah. science programs yeah. which is a crime. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so, like, luckily, some people have have sort of tricked <laughs> their way to put put art back into the system by adding a uh, making See, steam, branding. That's right? a designer. There's a designer it's, in there somewhere. It's it's really important, <laughs> right? That's, like yeah, that's what it is, absolutely. right? And 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 STEM has been a really powerful brand, yeah. right? Like I think, yeah, I, you know, looking back at the things I did as a kid, right? Like now they would be like, oh, that's about girls and STEM, right? <laughs> Rather than like, you know what it was, which is kind of like the nerdy stuff to do, and <laughs> <laughs> which super fun, and, yeah, and everyone uh, should do it if yes, they want, if absolutely. they want. And absolutely. I think that's actually the thing. And and I think you know I've uh, I've advocated for not just STEAM, but steam so like science social science humanities yeah, perfect. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and engineering art math right, you know right. and, and all together because i think that's where that's where there's really interesting stuff and interesting people Absolutely. have have education across all of those different things i mean you talked about just you know the idea that life is collaborative right mm-hmm. i mean you do so many different things and you collaborate in all of them you know right. i'm a musician i have to if i do it all by myself it's going to be probably not as good as it could be if i had somebody to bounce it off of and right. work with you know, everything is a collaboration right. and everything you're serving a client, a customer at some point, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you can focus on the task at hand and work, uh, you, you, you was, you, sorry, you use the word humility. Mm-hmm. Um, you also talk about just that idea of kind of like opening up to listen. Yeah. Right. And being like, Hey, I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's a huge thing when it comes to this type of stuff. Right. And also to, I think the humility too comes because science and STEM has so much baggage yeah. and, and so much like, I mean, and by baggage, I mean like pretension, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like a, a hierarchy, right. This idea that yeah. like, well, there's physics yeah. and then there's everything else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Um, and, and so like, yeah, even, I mean like it's ridiculous, right. Even as a biologist, it's like, Oh, is that kind of like, social science (laughs) right so you know if you're like literally doing social science or like wanting to bring that that kind of 
reflective element or thinking about people into science, mm. you know, it's it's lesser than, right? So so, so if you approach as a scientist, you're like, dear artist, I would like to collaborate with you. Will you bring me your art and make my things beautiful? That's totally the wrong. I mean, it, I think interesting things can come of it, and like, it's fine. But it, I think it's the wrong it's the wrong footing with which to approach the collaboration because you're not approaching it as an equal. You're exactly, you're, you're approaching you're, it as you're I'm customer. better than you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so that's I think it's it, it can be that's hard to learn, right? Like it took me going through that you know, loss of innocence yeah. <laughs> and many years, really, of of learning for myself how to approach it. On the other hand, I think it's also hard because scientists and artists and designers work differently mm-hmm. and work at a different, there's a different kind of pace mm-hmm. and a different expectation. So I've definitely you know, heard from designers, you know, who are, or, or even students that I've taught from in design who are saying like, oh, okay, well, I would like to design a microorganism that you take and makes you feel like this. Or like, it's like, yeah, that'll good take luck with 10 that. years <laughs> yeah. and like $2 billion. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> but if you have it, if you let's have the time it. and the money, let's rock it. Uh, but, but I think there's also, but there is a sense of like, okay, but you know, let's, let's find a place where where we can do have common ground let's find a project where we can kind of explore some of that future potential that might be kind of you know two billion dollars away um but but can say something about now too right right? right. like and and that that's hard to get at and i think and that that's that's that communication and that's that collaboration that comes with that openness absolutely communication is huge yeah i play my band my drummer is um he's an astrophysicist he works oh, cool. at jpl that's actually. awesome and that's, so I, I love la man LA's the best man <laughs> he was he was doing his grad uh work i guess i can't remember mm-hmm. and i'm gonna get this all wrong he's gonna listen to this and be like dude that's not what i do <laughs> but he was doing his grad program when uh, when we started the band he was at usc mm-hmm. and then he graduated and got a job at jpl and he's done some amazing stuff and like he's the smart guy in the band you know <laughs> i mean not because we're dumb or anything but um but he approaches music from a very scientific way and like Mm -hmm. it's really amazing Mm -hmm. he's an engineer right ultimately so like Mm -hmm. he approaches it from this specific perspective it's really amazing sometimes it's also really frustrating because there's like just one way to do it sometimes it feels like that that's not his approach but sometimes it can feel like that and sometimes i just want to be like this sounds better and it feels right yes but i'm like (laughs) god damn it dude can i just get one thing through um but it was cool to to experience someone who thinks very differently mm-hmm. for me in, in an artistic and creative endeavor because mm-hmm. we're simply I'm for me I'm a musician self-expression period mm-hmm. that's it this is just for me to say what I want to say mm-hmm. that I can't say with words mm-hmm. and I had to work with four other guys one being like a professional scientist you know <laughs> and and try to figure out the common ground for all of us to get to say what we think we need to say mm-hmm. and to agree on it yeah and then and then you know present it in a interesting and artistic way Mm -hmm. it's a very strange process right but he had a lot of excellent you know i mean i loved certain times where he would just like roll outs on how we released the record (laughs) and he would be like here's here's the setup and it would be an excel spreadsheet full of dates (laughs) what to do all this stuff and i got really into it and so i adapted that into my life for Mm -hmm. my art and so i actually do approach things in that way now and to a certain extent And it's awesome. So I've learned quite a bit. So if I didn't have that collaborative moment, I would never, I mean, might be never, but whatever, but like, I wouldn't necessarily be in the same position that I am now where I feel very successful in the fact that I can think about things very deliberately Mm -hmm. and say, okay, this needs to be done. This doesn't need to be done. I'm wasting time. I'm not wasting time. Mm -hmm. I love efficiency. (laughs) So I'm glad that I like uh, got that from him.
So the last question, I ask everybody the same. Mm -hmm. uh, what will I should you... have done more research. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part. See, I don't like telling people the questions ahead of time because mm -hmm. then they're a little canned. And mm -hmm. I've had that. And it's cool. And there's good answers. But mm -hmm. I'd rather it be like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite stuff. Uh, what will you miss the most when you're gone? What will I miss? Yeah. Nothing. Because <laughs> I won't be there. Wait, gone how? Like dead? Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I have nothing. So what happens when you die? <laughs> nothing. You just... Just, that's it? Get eaten up. Eternal darkness? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What makes you believe that? Um, I think that's where I'm still a scientist. I'm yeah. like a very much, like a materialist. It's like, well, they're my, you know, my molecules will be chewed up by bacteria right. and returned to the earth and, um, the, you know, the connections in my brain that make, <laughs> but, that but, make me think the things that I think and make me, they'll be lost. But what about, I mean, if we're being, you know, matter exists and that's it, right? Yeah. It can't be created or destroyed. Right. So wouldn't we still exist in that capacity? Sure. I mean, like the atoms that were once part of me are, are everywhere, floating, <laughs> right? floating around. <laughs> we're drinking water that right. used to be dinosaur pee. Like, I think oh. to me, that's actually quite beautiful, right? Like the, the, that connectivity yeah, and the, yeah. the way that we're all like part of that same stuff. Right. I think that's really beautiful. Um, it may be us, but it's not us it's not us and or me in the way that like I will miss something. So, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, no, I understand because my atoms don't miss things. Right. Okay. So how do you define <laughs> consciousness then? Um, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here. That's I'd say, like, that's, <laughs> it's outside my area of expertise. <laughs> but, right. Right. But, but you say like, okay, so if we, we die, we break right. down and then we're yeah. distributed back into the earth and right. that's it. Mm -hmm. There's no connection. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but where does consciousness come from and how, how do we know, you know, does it disappear? Is it brain? Is it heart? Where is it? Like what's going on there? I think consciousness is embodied for yeah. sure. So I think the, um, right. Okay. So there's a lot of scientists or like a lot of now like engineers mostly and like the Silicon Valley types, although this is changing, mm -hmm. but there's, there is this kind of undercurrent like in yeah, the, the change is happening like gradually and like, right now. But so like, let's say, you know, five years ago, you'd find a lot of people being like, yes, the goal of technology is to like upload our brains into computers and then we will live forever as like computer disembodied consciousnesses. Right. Sounds awesome. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking nightmare, <laughs> right? Like, because I think that's a thing. I think that's a, actually like... I think that is something that is different between men and women, right? I think like, uh, or, I was or being sarcastic. No, oh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but not not saying you, <laughs> yes, men, yes, right? Yes, but yes, in yes. right, like I think yep. that there is a sense, um, like women are always like forcibly tied back to their bodies, right? Yeah. And like, uh, and and like whether sort of culturally or like just literally, <laughs> yeah. like giving birth to right. creatures will do that to you. Uh, the this idea that that yeah we are bodies that's i think uh and like we are grounded in this mm. meat um mm. that we're not just like kind of like thinking machines that are disconnected from the meat mm. uh i think that's that's something i do see more from feminist scholars rather than from the the silicon valley thinkers right. Right. um so i think i think consciousness emerges as a property of all of this like complexity in our in biology right like so, so to me yeah to me as a biologist I don't know I, the answer is I don't know but it, it is something that like it's something awesome that emerges from these interactions between 
all the different atoms and molecules and cells in our bodies you know that that happens on its own and is encoded in dna and, and like is in space and time and mm-hmm. in an ecosystem and evolves uh, and so it's awesome but it is very much tied up in the in the stuff of biology right, i think right. rather than yeah so so i don't see it as something that can be disconnected either kind of more spiritually or technologically Hey, thanks so much for joining. Check us out at fivequestions.me, the podcast store, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and check out Christina at agapacus.com. Take care.